Relationship Alive is sponsored in part by listeners like you. If you find the show to be helpful and would like to make a contribution, just visit neilsatin.com slash support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And today's show is also sponsored in part by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. Get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on the path to a happier life and a thriving relationship. For a special offer for you, visit Talkspace.com slash alive. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. On today's show, I'm going to spend almost the whole time on a question that came in from a listener. It goes something like this. How does a couple recover after some sort of crisis point has been reached? Whether that be financially, medically, with kids or family, affairs, or spiritually between the two of them, what are some things that can be focused on when your relationship hits a really deep low, but you want to get back out and get back to a healthy point, or maybe you're even getting to a healthy point for a first time. This listener also mentions that not every couple that's at a point like that can afford therapy. So how can, um, what are the steps that you can take in order to make that possible for couples who may seem or even feel like they've lost hope, but they're determined to make it out to a good place. And this is a great question. Of course, on some level, I have to say that that's what this whole podcast is about. So I encourage you to keep listening. And in fact, even last week's episode with Harriet Lerner, which was all about how to apologize effectively, when to apologize effectively, and how to accept an apology and, and the place of forgiveness and all of that, as you can imagine, all of that is huge when it comes to repairing a relationship, especially one that's hit a deep crisis point. But that's just one example. And there are so many throughout the podcast. As you know, it's my mission here to help you get through situations like this and have an amazing, connected, conscious relationship with your partner. So that's what I'm going to focus on for this episode. And, you know, with just the the first, the heads up that, you know, I could talk to you for an entire year every week, just like I'm doing in order to cover this topic. But that being said, the basics do distill down to some very simple insights that will hopefully point you in the right direction. So thank you so much for that question. And I think it's worth asking because all of our relationships go through phases. You could be in that space where everything is amazing and everything's aglow and there's all kinds of joy and laughter and sex and it just feels like a bounty of goodness and typically that phase comes time and again in a relationship. If you are doing it right, then that's not something you just experience 
in the honeymoon stage once and then it's done. It's something that you can revisit time and again. Likewise, our relationships also lead us to deeper places of knowing ourselves or knowing our partner. And this knowing can create circumstances that require us to grow. And in order to get past that point where it's a moment of reckoning of sorts, and it might be more than a moment, it might be a month of reckoning or even a year of reckoning, how do you get past the reckoning so that you actually get reacquainted with your partner and with yourself in a way that brings you closer together? It's possible, and it's doing that over and over again that brings you to new levels of intimacy with your partner. And this makes sense because if you if you haven't figured this out yet from listening to all of the episodes that you've heard, one of my central beliefs is that relationship, along with being a journey of love and growth and contrib- contribution to the world, Uh, It's also a journey of healing. It's a journey of finding the things within you that need to grow, need to change, need to expand because it's based on something that is, a let's say, a false premise. I mean, let's face it. You cannot make it through your childhood without experiencing something bad. It's inevitable. Even those of us who have perfect childhoods, there's going to be something that comes along that scares you or angers you or where you feel less than. And these kinds of things, they stick with you. They stick within you. They don't have to be something that limits you. I mean, plenty of us do just fine in our lives without thinking about that time we got bullied on the playground or whatever it is. That being said... The question I have for you is, is it possible that some of those things have created assumptions that you then live into in your relationship? Ways that you think things should be or ought to be. It could be a fantasy about the fairy tale ending. You meet someone, you meet the right one, and then it is happily ever after. And then I guess you're fucked if it's not happy. God forbid, for a day or a week or a month or a year, as I said earlier. If you have this idea that the perfect relationship never has problems, then you're going to be sorely disappointed or you're going to have a whole series of perfect relationships that then end when you have your first or second or third moment of reckoning. The question is, how do you get through that and how do you get to a place where you're even closer than you were the first time around? So the very foundation upon which our relationships are built is that of safety. Do you trust your partner? And so often these crisis points, as the listener mentioned, these crisis points occur because something happens that undermines safety and undermines trust. So your very most important goal in a circumstance like this 
is to come back to a solid foundation of safety. Now, in the question, um, this listener mentioned that that maybe this couple has lost hope, but they're determined to get to the other side. So that determination can be a key ingredient that isn't always there for people. You may not have the determination, you may not have the faith, and you may not have the patience. So stepping back a moment, even from that question of how do you establish safety, let's think about those qualities, the qualities of being willing to have faith that there is a way. There's a way to come back to connection with your partner, that there's a way to experience joy, that there's a way to have trust rebuilt with your partner. If you're both engaged in that process, and it can work to some extent if it's just you who's involved, but definitely if you're both involved, then you're going to get there. Almost definitely you're going to get there. If only one of you is involved, well, you can carry that cart part of the way, you know, and maybe there are times when you or your partner carries the other. It's just the way it works sometimes. We can't always be on 100% of the time. And sometimes our partner does step in and pull a little more of the weight. It can feel sometimes like it's always you who's doing that. But almost guaranteed that if you're thinking that, there are times when your partner's thinking the same thing. Often that's about miscommunicating, that you're each trying in different ways. And so if you're not clear on how you're trying is different from how your partner is trying, then you might think, well, I'm the one who's doing it all, while you're completely missing what your partner is doing. So like so many things, communication is important, and that's one important aspect of creating safety in a relationship. We'll talk about that in a moment. I also want to remind you about patience because patience is one of those things that you can't just learn right away. Like no one can just turn on your patience switch and suddenly you get it. I mean, you might have an insight like, oh, if I put you know, $100 in an interest-bearing account and leave it there for the next 300 years, it will turn into a million dollars. Like someone tells you something like that and you get the insight and suddenly it's like, oh, there's, there's incentive for being patient or it's worth it to be patient. But the actual being patient, the actual trusting that the passing of time will work for you instead of against you is not something that we all embody. I mean, I sure don't. And I'm getting better and better at it. But this is something that has been with me for a long time. The question about, well, I need to do it today uh, and not tomorrow. And in fact, I was joking around with Chloe earlier that I have all these things where I feel like I should have done them yesterday, but I'm not going to start until tomorrow because the circumstances aren't perfect right now. So sometimes you just have to get over it and realize that circumstances are not perfect, but there is something here in the moment that you can do that will lead to the next thing and then the next thing until you're where you wanted to be. But until we've created teleporters to get us across the distance in a blink of an eye, 
and combine that with a time machine to get us to some undefined point, or I guess if you're in a time machine, hopefully it's a defined point in the future when everything has magically worked out the way you want it to. Until that happens, patience is your friend. And reminding yourself when things are hard that this is just a moment in time or a series of moments in time and that this too shall pass can be one of the most important things that you do, one of the most important mantras that you could have when you're going through something really challenging. Trusting time, trusting that it all doesn't have to be worked out tomorrow because it may take a little time to get to where you want to go. And it's worth it because at the end of this time, it's either going to be the way you wanted it, it's, it might be better, or you might have really clear messages about things needing to be different. And then you can make an informed choice. See, so many times people come to me, clients come to me with questions like, should I stay, should I go? Like, is it time for me to leave this relationship? And I have to tell them that most of the time they don't have all the information that they need in order to make that choice. And sometimes that really sucks because it sounds like it's kind of a dire situation. But when things spiral out of control, that's just the way they are. They are dire. And yet all it takes often is one person to start picking up the pieces to bring both people in the relationship back on board. Okay, so we've talked about faith and we've talked about patience. And like our listener mentioned, we should probably also do a shout out to determination because sometimes that is the key ingredient that gets you through. It's that resolve that you are going to find the other the way around. It's kind of like the uh, relationship journey equivalent of burning your bridges. You know, it's like you're saying, I am not going back. I'm not getting out. I am finding my way through. And that steely resolve is key. So if you can find ways to get leverage with yourself, maybe you have children and maybe it's important to you to show your kids to, to model for them how to get through something challenging and get to the other side. Or maybe it's because you have a dream and a vision of what is possible with your relationship. And that dream is important to you. It motivates you and it keeps you in. Or maybe you have values of compassion. You know, maybe your partner fucked up or maybe you fucked up. And what's required is getting beyond the personal and getting to a place where you're allowed to make mistakes or where your partner is allowed to make mistakes and you're able to get past them because your compassion outweighs your fear. These are just a few examples of ways to help you get leverage for yourself to fuel your determination. So faith, patience, determination. 
And now let's get back to that question of how you create safety. Before we do, I just want to mention too that it's also when you're in a deep crisis point, this is often when you as an individual might find yourself kind of walling off from people or as a couple, you may get really uh, distanced from your community and your friends and your peers. And this is a great time for you to actually reach out for support. And in episode 111, I talked about how to ask for support from the people who are around you. And not only how to ask, but what kind of support to ask for so that you're actually getting bolstered in your relationship, not undermined. So that's really key. So definitely check out episode 111. Okay, so, um, oh, and one last thing is I have to, of course, mention that one of our sponsors for this show and this episode is Talkspace.com. So it may be that you cannot afford therapy, but perhaps you could afford a service like Talkspace.com, which provides online therapy, and it's a lot less expensive in many cases than going to get therapy in person, but you still have a licensed therapist who's there, who's showing up for you. You can message them, you can video chat with them. Um, and depending on the plan you get, you can hear from your therapist once a day, twice a day. They do couples therapy. Um, so I had to mention that, of course. And you can find out more about Talkspace if you go to Talkspace.com slash alive, as in relationship alive. And if you do, make sure you use the coupon code alive that gives you $30 off your first week with Talkspace.com. Uh, so it's a great deal, and uh, definitely check that out. Okay, so we've talked about patience, faith, determination, support, which is huge. And now let's talk about safety, because that's really what's crucial for coming back from a crisis point. And you can't force it. So this is something that Chloe and I go into a lot of detail on in our course that we put together called Thriving Intimacy. And uh, if you want to find out more about that, you can visit uh, neilsatin.com slash course, C-O-U-R-S-E, and uh, you can see the course that we put together. Um, if you've seen our webinar, uh, the 50-minute relationship breakthrough, then you've also seen our framework for building safety in relationship. And uh, if you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you get on our mailing list because we will be doing that webinar again in the very near future. But there are three key components to the baseline of safety. And each of these, I could do an entire episode on, each of these we do an entire class on in our course, but I'm going to give them to you right now so you get a sense of what they are and how they play into your life so that you can think about them, especially if you're in a dark time. Because in a dark time, that's when all of these things can go offline, and they are the key components to safety. So if they're going offline, and then you have no safety, then you're going to have a hard time getting through to the other side of the healing moment, let's call it. In fact, you've maybe heard the term healing crisis, and I love that our listener um, that she asked 
for um, what do you do when you're in a crisis point? Because if you look at it as a healing crisis, that this was meant to happen for whatever reason, as horrible as it can be, and I'm not someone who, like, I don't, I don't want you to be victimized by your relationship, believe me. But if you're willing to at least shift your perspective and say, okay, if this thing happening is meant to help me grow, to help us heal, to help us get to a place of even deeper connection, even richer intimacy, then what can we do here? What is, what is possible? And you can see how sometimes just asking that question opens you up to a whole new realm of possibility. But now what? Now you have to work on these three key skills to reestablish safety in your relationship. The first one is presence. You have to build your presence with your partner. And before you can build your presence with your partner, you have to build your presence with yourself. So this involves going into the process of what does it even mean to be present? How can I be here in this moment so that I can respond to what is happening here in this moment? If you are focusing over and over again on the past and what happened, guess what? You're not in the moment. If you're focusing over and over again on the future that you longed for and now you're afraid may never happen, guess what? You're not here in the present. And the present is all we really have. This is it, you and me here in this moment. So how do you get present? And in particular, how do you recognize when you're not present and come back to presence? Because unless you're some guru who lives in the mountains of the, of the Himalayas and you're, you never see people, like the odds are that when, if you're out in the world and if you're that guru and you're somehow listening to this podcast, Thank you, I guess, for inviting me into your mountainside home. Um, great to be here with you. But if you are the rest of us, you don't live in that cave on a mountainside. You are out in the world. And out in the world, there is a barrage of stuff that is meant to knock us off balance. Now, why is that? Because when you are knocked off balance, you want to fix it. And if you don't bring any conscious awareness to that process, then you want to fix it the quickest way possible, which is often the very product that's being waved in front of your face as the magical answer to feeling off. So maybe you don't feel attractive enough. Maybe you feel insecure at work. Maybe you feel you get the picture. The way that commercial culture works is it's all designed to stir up your fears and then to give you the magical answer. And some of it, when you look at it through that lens, you know, like when you watch commercials on TV, which I don't even have a TV, but occasionally when I'm at a friend's house or my grandmother's house, you know, I'll sit and I'll watch and it's just fascinating, you know, when you can look at it from that level. What are they trying to do here? What kind of fears, what kind of wants are they trying to stir up in me? These, this sense of being inadequate, like there's not enough right here. 
And what are they waving in front of my face as the magical solution? So there's just an example of how you might pay attention to how you are or are not present in your day-to-day life. And then can you make a conscious choice about how you come back into presence? Can you recognize it? Can you come back in a way that's healthy, that actually keeps you engaged in the world? You know, some people might deal with it by taking a drink or having a smoke or jerking off, whatever it is. These are all ways that people medicate, right? And what I'm asking you to do is to think about it in this new way where you're like, okay, I'm offline How do I just come back online in a way that helps me be here? This can be really challenging to do in the middle of a dark time. Let me just say that right now. Because in a dark time, you and your partner are probably triggering the hell out of each other. And that's not an easy place. When you're triggered, you are by definition not present unless you are being maybe present to the fact that you're triggered. And that's part of the path to coming back online. In fact, you may want to check out episode 47 of the Relationship Alive podcast, which is all about how to come back online when you're triggered. Very important. So this is all about presence. And presence is one of the key elements in building safety in your relationship. So if you are checked out in the moment and you're not fully there with your partner, make it your mission to get present. And if you're not fully there with yourself, if you're kind of spacing out, then uh, also make it your mission to be as present as you can be. Because you get so much more power when you are there in the moment. Okay, the second thing that's an important aspect of building safety in relationship is the way that you communicate with your partner. The way you communicate with your partner is so key. In fact, I created a guide that's all about how to communicate and create even more connection with your partner. If you haven't picked that up, you can get it at neilsatin.com slash relate, or you can text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And that will get you the free guide. So what's important about communicating is how do you communicate with your partner in a way that lets your partner know that they are safe? Is the way that you communicate, are you just complaining at your partner? Are you telling them how much they hurt you? Are you telling them, oh, I want you to just get over it so that we can go back to being happy together. Like, can't you just deal? Can't you just get past this? Um, Whatever it is that's basically telling your partner how you are is not okay is basically telling your partner you are in danger. And if you're telling me that I'm in danger, then I'm going to respond by trying to make myself safe, which is fight or flight. So I'm going to get in your face and get kind of defensive, or I'm going to get the hell out of there and, you know, go play video games or something. And this is, you know, those are just two examples of how we check out. But the, the idea is that your communication should be always centered around how you create bridges with your partner. So even if you have something really hard to communicate, can you do it in a way that brings you closer? 
can you say um, instead of you're really pissing me off right now, can you identify the hurt beneath your anger and say, wow, you know, when you said that, like, let's take an example of your partner saying, you know, can you just get over this? Like, why can't you just get over this so we can get past it and go back to how everything was? Imagine if you could say, instead of like, I'm not going to get over it, or I don't know how to get over it, or you really fucked up, so you have to fucking show me how that you're going to be different than you ever, like, you get where this goes, right? So instead of that, what if you said, wow, when you were wondering why I couldn't just get over it, what I really felt was lonely, like maybe it's possible that you don't see me and that you don't get how much pain I'm in right now. And I don't want to be in this pain forever. I don't. But when you tell me that I should just get over it, I really don't feel met or understood and what I want is I want you to see me. I want you to see how much this thing impacted me. And, and maybe I want you to hold me in that. And we see where that goes. Now, again, here's where patience comes in, right? Like, Because you don't know. You don't know if you allow yourself to be vulnerable and just make a simple request you don't know what that's going to do. All you know is that it is something different than the, the kind of communication that just escalates or just pulls you further and further apart. So that was just one example of how that might look uh, in this kind of situation. I think in general, if you're able, instead of uh, wanting your partner to be different, of expressing to them what you want, what you long for. I just want you to know I really miss you. I just want you to know that I believe we can get through this and I know it's hard and I know maybe you don't like me that much right now or maybe you hate me right now, but I just want you to know that I am still here and and I'm interested in getting to the other side. The more you can communicate that with your partner, then the more your partner can meet you. And when you are together doing the dance of relationship, that's when you can get creative. That's when that amazing insight will bust through. The thing that leads you to your healing, I can't tell you what that is. That's what's so magical about it. And that's why no one is going to be able to give you a one, two, three. This is how you fix this particular problem in your relationship. Because whatever has come to pass in your relationship is the product of you and your partner. And just like all your fingerprints are identical, the fingerprint of your relationship, that way that you've come together is unique. There are principles that will help you, just like I've been telling you in this episode. But those principles are a way of getting you 
to the nugget, the the healing moment or moments for you and for you alone. And you have to be willing to show up and be present and communicate really clearly and gently with your partner in order to unearth these moments because often they're delicate. Occasionally they can come in a heated, crazy moment where you've just like, you know, lost your ability to filter. And so you actually magically say something amazing that gives you this aha. But that doesn't happen very often in my experience. It's much more likely that your aha insight is going to come in silence, in a willingness to be together, even in your imperfections, to be patient with yourselves, and in a moment of asking yourself the question of like, what else is possible? What could we do differently here? Okay, so that's enough about communication for the moment. The last piece of coming back together is all about the container that you create with your, with your partner. And by the container, I mean, what is the thing that holds your relationship, that holds your love, that holds your vision, that helps keep you safe, just like a container would, just like your house does. Your house has walls and a roof and a foundation. And, you know, unless you have one of those fancy modern open air designs and you live in the tropics where, you know, you hang out with monkeys all the time, and in which case, let me know. I'd love to come visit you. That sounds fascinating. Uh, but if you're not like that, and I'm not, you know, I live in New England. Like, we got to keep the elements out for the most part. It's the mosquitoes in the summer. It's the snow in the winter. You get it. What does the house of your relationship look like? Is it leaky? Are there all these places where you're energy and your attention and your love and your fascination and your curiosity? Are there all these places where they leak out and escape? If so, then it's time for you to start repairing the exits of your relationship. Those are known as exits, the ways that we leave our relationship. So that's one thing is identifying, and this works best if you identify it for yourself. What are my exits? And maybe you could get in a conversation with your partner where you say, hey, you know, I'm going to share some of my, the ways that I exit our relationship. Um, would you be willing to look at yourself and share what you see about yourself with me? Um, that might be a good way to do it. And then if things feel good, and this could be something that really triggers you, so just to warn you, um, then you might say, hey, is there anything that I'm missing? Is there a blind spot here? And if you, if your partner asks you like, hey, is there a blind spot? Is there something I'm missing? Then again, communication. This is a time for you to deliver whatever bad news you have to deliver in the most glorious, gentle, affirming way possible. So if your partner doesn't bathe enough and you're, and you're thinking, well, this is one way that my partner exits the relationship because they are keeping me at a distance with the way that they smell. I, I'm just offering this as an example, not speaking from experience here. 
But if this were true, then you you could say, yeah, you need to shower more. You know, that's one way of doing it. Or you could say, I'm just th- making this up off the top of my head. You could say, baby, you've done such a great job with this list. And I like, I just want to start by saying how much it means to me that you were willing to look at yourself that way. And some of these things that you mentioned, it means a lot to me to know that you see them, that you see them clearly. Now you've asked me if there's something else. And I have to tell you that it would, I would love to get close to you. And sometimes when you haven't showered for three or four or five days, sometimes it's just really challenging for me because, because you smell a little funky. And, you know, like sometimes that's fun. Like when we're in bed having sex and we get a little, you know, like sex body, like that can be really good. But, you know, when you have like kind of a vintage going on that I'm not sure if I should bottle for and sell it a hundred years from now for a thousand dollars. Like I have to tell you that isn't easy for me to be with. Um, so that's one thing that like, maybe that's an exit, like where you're not, I don't know if this is true for you. Is it like, is it possible that one of the reasons that you aren't showering all the time is because you actually know that it keeps me at a distance from you? Wow. Like, imagine if you could ask that. And then your partner could say, wow, I never thought of it that way, but that actually might be true. Or your partner might say, wow, I never knew it was that important to you. Or, wow, I was never able to really hear you say that, even though you've told me over and over again that I should take a bath or whatever. Um, I never really got how important that was to our overall connection. There are lots of possibilities in there if you say it right for your partner to just open and say, sure, you know, how about every three days? Like, I would love that. So that's just one example of how you might address an exit with your partner. Now, on the flip side, there's also the aspect of the container, which is what you're building together. So this can be really challenging when you're in a dark moment, and yet it can be so powerfully healing if you are willing to say, okay, this sucks. Like, where we are, this is really shitty, and I want more for us. This is what I imagine for us. I imagine us taking vacations together at least twice a year. I imagine us like turning off our computers at 6 p.m. and just having a lovely dinner together and time by candlelight where we're reading and talking and drinking tea. I mean, this is my vision, so it may not be your vision, but you get the point. The idea is like, can you share with your partner what you aspire to together? I imagine our relationship being one where where we are always operating from curiosity, even when we're in a dark time like right now. What do you think? Would, would that be cool for you? Those are the kinds of conversations that not only are about closing the doors that keep you safe, you know, like... I'm going to shower or I'm not going to sleep with other people or um, I'm going to come home from the office at 5 p.m. instead of 8 p.m., those kinds of things. 
but it's also the kind of thing that helps you decide what you're going to build together, that you're not going to just live in a house where all the walls are off white and all the furniture is gray and you eat the same meals every week. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be an adventure that you craft together. Again, that's totally based on each of your uniquenesses. What can you create together and how can you bring who you are as an individual to the table? Not in a way where you feel compromised, where you feel like half of yourself, but where you and your partner are both showing up so fully that you see, oh, we don't have to be half of ourselves. We can be 100% of ourselves and we can combine that in a way that makes 200%. You have to get creative. And creativity comes when you are feeling safe and excitement and aliveness and your whole social engagement system comes online when you are feeling safe. In fact, we did a whole episode on the science of safety with Steve Porges, who has spent the past 40 something years studying how our bodies and physiology respond when we're safe and when we're not. That's episode 34, in case you were curious. So, three key ingredients, presence, communication, and the container. Those are all about bringing the safety and trust back online in your relationship. And you do them with the qualities of faith, patience, and determination. That's a lot. So I'm going to leave you with that because there, that's a ton to think about. And like I said, each one of these things that I've mentioned today, you and I, we could talk, we could sit and talk about any one of these things for hours and come up with all kinds of ways to make it practical for you. So I encourage you to do that, to sit down and, and journal about it or to have a conversation with your partner or your coworkers or your therapist or your Talkspace.com slash Alive using the Alive coupon for $30 off therapist or your coach or you could come and join us in the Relationship Alive community on Facebook and talk about it there. Um, in fact, when I get done recording, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little question there in the community and we'll see who answers. In any case, there are lots of opportunities for you to dive more deeply into these topics. There's the course that Chloe and I um, created called Thriving Intimacy. Um, there's our daily OM course called 21 Days to Deeper Intimacy. So there are two other ways too for you to get all kinds of more information. And I encourage you to let me know what you discover. I'm here for you. So you can reach out. My email address is neilius, N-E-I-L-I-U-S, at neilsatin.com. I do read all the email that comes my way. I cannot promise that I will respond to you because I get a lot of email, and I love that. It's, it's so enriching to hear how this podcast is helping you and to get your ideas for how to make it better uh, what topics you'd like to hear me talk about. And my goal is for as much as possible, I try to incorporate what I hear from you into the podcast. So that's my way of responding. Um, although sometimes I do write back directly. So I'm not going to say you'll never hear from me, but 
I wish. I wish I had enough hours in the day to write back to every single person who writes. Just know that I really do appreciate hearing from you because it's so nice to be able to connect in that way. Thank you for spending this time with me here on the Relationship Alive podcast. Next week, I believe we're going to be talking again with Jeff Zeig, who is the person who he studied directly with Milton Erickson. He's written more than 20 books about psychotherapy and change, and he puts on this conference called the Evolution of Psychotherapy Conference, which is basically bringing together some, if not all, definitely most of the top minds in the world of therapy to try and evolve what we know about how we can grow and change and the art of helping people do that. So he's going to be on the show to talk about how to find a therapist, how to know if a therapist is good for you, um, what you can expect through therapy and what you can't expect. Here's a guy who has been doing this for something like 50 years. And it's just such an amazing conversation. You get to hear the richness of his experience. And he's so open-minded. I guess you'd have to be if you were creating a conference called The Evolution of Psychotherapy. You'd have to be willing to see how it could evolve. So he's not someone who's stuck in a particular mindset. Um, and I think you'll find this conversation fascinating and hopefully really helpful, whether you're choosing a therapist or a coach or just finding other ways to get resourced so that you have all the help that you need to have the kind of relationship that you want, which is my hope for you, that you feel thriving, joyful, healthy, happy, creative. Uh, you have all the sex you want and that you feel its contribution to your life, that there's that you're able to do more than you could have had you not found this amazing partner. And a perfect example of that is the way that relationship inspires us to heal and grow. And that's what this whole episode has been about today. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, take care.